everybody, and welcome back to the Out To Be podcast. I am your host, Katie Zuccardi. Thank you for joining us today. This episode is epic. I have on my coach and millennial money coach, Chloe Elise of Deeper Than Money. Chloe is the freaking expert on all things money and paying off debt. You will hear her introduce herself and give her backstory as to how she got to where she is now, but she's incredible. She has she paid off $36,000 I think of debt in like 18 months, which is amazing. And she learned so much from that. And what I love about her is that she's really been everywhere. Like she's been the person who thought she was broke and really just no matter how much money she made, she couldn't seem to keep it. She's been the person who pinched pennies and wasn't happy doing that. And so now she's found a place where she's consistently increasing her income. She's making money and she's doing all of the things that she loves, paying off debt, saving for a wedding and teaching other people how to do the same. Even if you feel like your situation right now is desperate and there's no coming back from it, there's always a way to come back from it. So take a listen to this week's episode. I'm going to keep this intro relatively short, but before we hop in, I want to let you know that this week at Out To Be headquarters, we are focusing on money for the whole week. And that means that starting on Sunday, January 26th, I am going to be running a three-day free challenge, Musicians Make More Money Free Challenge. So in this challenge, we're going to start with mindset. We're going to work through any limiting beliefs that you have around money so that you can start to make more of it and not let it control your life in a negative way. Then we're going to look at the money that you're bringing in right now and see where we can plug leaks and optimize the income that you're currently making. And then on day three, we're going to talk about how you can increase your income without working insanely hard, working way more hours, and certainly without burning out. So this is going to be everything you need to get started in this new year on the right foot with money and feeling really confident and really good about the trajectory you are on, where your money is going, how much you're saving, how much you're spending, and of course, how much you are using to put towards music. So join the free challenge by heading to bit.ly slash musicians make more money. The link will be in the show notes, of course. But I hope to see you there. We're starting Sunday, January 26th and running it through Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And it's going to be a good one. I'm super pumped. So I hope to see you join us. And without further ado, let's hop into today's episode with Chloe Elise. Hey, Chloe, and welcome to the Out To Be podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited (laughs) to be here today and talk to you. I know, I feel like it's been a while since I've actually interviewed a guest for the podcast because I've been doing so many solo episodes. So I'm really excited to have you, not just because you are my coach, but also because you are a freaking expert when it comes to money. So before we dive into the music industry and money, tell us how you got started in the money world and coaching in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also your solo episodes have been fire. So I, I love solo episodes. Like They're as a, fun. As a podcast listener, like I gravitate towards solo. Like I love listening to people just like go off. So you've been crushing <laughs> it. But um, yeah, so I am a, I'm a money coach and this started for me really jumping into an industry where I thought was only full of restriction and sacrifice. 
And so I was a college student and working really hard. I had a bunch of different jobs. I was working in the mail room and I was working as like this person that like picked up lunch for these guys and doing all these odd jobs. I was kind of like always an entrepreneur. I was like, I want to always work for myself. So I'd like find these odd jobs, but I was doing all of these odd jobs. And no matter how much money I made, I never had enough. Like my, I was always overdrafting my account. Mm. I was never putting any away for savings. I was literally just making enough to get by and then it, it was gone. And so I had this kind of verbiage that went through my head, this story that went through my head that no matter how hard you worked, there was never enough. Like you just, it, it was kind of like the almost like blue collar um, of like, I have to work hard forever, but like it won't ever make a difference because I'm stuck here. And I had this kind of mental breakdown in college where I was missing out on everything for work, but it didn't matter because I had no money. I was like, why am I even like the thought ran through my head where I was like, I might as well quit all my jobs because I will still be just as broke, but at least I'll get to go to the parties. Like that was what was actually going through my head. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I, I got to figure this out. I got to start paying attention to my finances. I got to learn this. So I started consuming every piece of content around finances that I could. And everything told me I need to give up everything that I'm doing. I need to stop spending. Spending's the enemy. I need to um, like not, I shouldn't have gone to college and taken out student loans. And I suddenly felt all of this guilt and shame. I was like, what am I going to do now? Like I, I've ruined my life. Like I'm, I'm just here and I've chosen this and that, um, I literally like switched my career or my, um, not my career path, my major to academics in Spanish, because I was like, I'm going to have to major in something so I could make a lot of money. And I, all of a sudden I was just like, so fearful. And this went on for a while. So I started like not spending a dime and I'd get so mad at myself if I did. And I would feel guilty if I got coffee out with a friend, but I was starting to make some progress. I was starting to finally have a little bit more in savings and finally start throwing a little bit more on debt. So this went on for a while and I started making progress. I started paying off my debt, but I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. And that was a kind of like my second epiphany with money where I was like, this can't be it. Like this, all I think about is money. I'm obs overly obsessed with my bank accounts and I still feel like no matter how hard I work, yes, I'm getting ahead, but I feel terrible. I feel shame. I feel guilt. And so that's where I went on a mission to find out there has to be more than this. Like what is the financial industry not telling me? How can I learn this? Where can I learn this from? And, and that's where I really found the magic of it's not all restriction. It, it's not all sacrifice. You can get ahead and spend money. Like spending money isn't the enemy and all, all these awesome principles that I started applying changed everything for me. And so that was the point where um, everything shifted. I ended up paying off all my debt, like $36,000 in 18 months, um, went and negotiated a, a starting salary at my corporate job and then um, was in corporate for a while and, and of course, still doing the side, side hustle. And yeah, everything changed when I figured that out. So we'll talk about some of the things that you did, but I want to frame it in the world of the music industry because I think that people 
in the music industry are scared of money. There's this belief mm-hmm. that I honestly used to have until I got to the point where I was like, I had done some money work. Like I had done a few programs and I was like, screw this. I am not believing this anymore because I'm going to make money and I'm not going to like get paid less yeah, than what I'm worth. Yeah, 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 I'm not going to be underpaid. And so that's when I was like, I can make more money doing my own thing. And I have, but there's still this belief there's no money in the music industry. And I think it applies for people who are both on the actual industry side. So people who are like working in the like corporate side at the, of the industry at a publisher or a label or something like that. And people who are maybe full-time musicians and they have somewhat of an unpredictable income. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about the two parts of this. One is like the actual logistics reality of it. And the yep. second is mindset. But talking about the reality of it, I'm so curious to hear your tips for paying off debt and starting savings like you talked about you did. Because for some people, while they might be in a place where they are overspending or just they're too afraid to look at their bank account so they're not even like tracking what's coming in and what's going out and that kind of thing. But there are probably some people out there because I know I was one of them who's like living in New York City, getting paid $35,000 a year and wants to still be able to pay off student loans, live their life, and also pay for things in the music industry as musicians like recording or getting a coach or, you know, getting press or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing is that we all have this money thermostat. So we all have this point that there's two points on the thermostat. It's like a um, if you've ever seen the like Google Nest where you have like the low and the highs. So if if it goes below the ho- the the low, then the heat kicks on, and if it goes above the high, then the air kicks on. We yeah. have those internally when it comes to money. So our low that is our like resourceful point. So I guarantee, I mean, I'm biased because I know you well, but even, even for whoever, if you're listening to this, I, I know for a fact that there is a point at which your resourcefulness thermostat will kick on. If that is, you know, and we all have a different one for you. That might be, I would never, if, if I took everything out of your bank account and you got fired from your job, what would you do to not go live on the street or not be able to make ends meet like you your resourcefulness thermostat would kick in and you'd be like how can I figure this out Mm -hmm. how can I crash on my friend's couch for a little bit how can I go on care.com and pick up a nannying job like how can I make ends meet and this thing inside of you kicks in to say okay I I have to make this work I'm going to make this work what can I do it's like your fight or flight okay On the other side, we have these money blocks and that money block is what you have decided you can make. Okay. You've decided like, that's what's possible for you. That's what you can do. And so anytime we go past that, we self-sabotage back into our thing. So that can look like overspending or spending out of alignment. That can look like Um, you know, we make, we get a big tax return and we're like, Oh, that's free money. I don't need to use that for student loans. I can just do something else. And we, we spend out of not within our priorities. Like Mm -hmm. we spend frivolously or whatever. And so a lot of times when we're in that, you know, that thermostat, when we're in that range, we're super comfortable. And so we just stay in the same cycle. And so 
the first thing that you need to do is figure out what is the bottom and what is the top? What is the bottom of, okay, my bank account, it hits negative $24, but it never hits negative 25. Like what is your number? Maybe it's 500. My bank account never dips below 500. And when you figure out what that is, you go gung ho to raise it. So if you are, and let's say even if you're barely making ends meet, I guarantee if I made a bet against you that I would pay you $10,000 if you could raise whatever number that is by 10%, okay? Um, or even 50 bucks or whatever. Whatever number is always in your bank account, if that's zero, if I bet you $10,000 that by next month you can put 50 bucks in there and then never dip below that. I guarantee you could. I guarantee you could. Yeah. <laughs> we have superpowers. Like we're so much stronger than we think we are. And so that's really important is that we start raising what is possible because if you are constantly telling yourself, I'm the, you know, I'm the broke musician. I'm never going to get ahead. This, you know, this isn't fair, all these things. And then you look in your bank account and your reality reflects what you're thinking. It will reinforce your belief. So if I say I'm the broke musician, I'm never going to get ahead no matter how I work. And then I log into my bank account and I see negative $25. I'm like, well, looky there. It's true. I knew it was true. So if we can start not only working on our beliefs, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, but working on the reality in which we see, if we can start saying, okay, and step by step, like I'm not telling you that, oh my gosh, you're so dumb. If you don't have five grand in there, I'm just saying wherever you're at, how can we cushion that a little bit to where your new bottom dollar, your new bottom line is always seeing $50 in there. And then when you get to a point where you're good, you've made it, $50 is always in there. How can we get a hundred dollars in there? So we're constantly raising that a little bit. And it's the exact same process with our student loans. Um, I always start with the bank account idea because if you have nothing and you're trying to put your money towards student loans, but then something comes up and it forces you into credit card debt or borrowing from other people or all mm -hmm. these other things, that's going to keep you in that cycle. And then you're going to say, well, Chloe, I couldn't keep that $50 in there. So we have to start there. We have to start with a little bit in your checking, um, being able to just have that sitting in there that you don't touch. But then we apply the same principle to student loans. Let's say every month that you have to put your minimum payment is $100. How can you start putting $125? What would it take? How resourceful could you get to say, over my dead body, will I ever put anything less than 125? Like that <laughs> is my new minimum. And go after that because when we start putting extra, that adds up because then when we can do 125, well, you can do 130. Then you start doing 130. If you can do 130, you can do 140. And right now, it's probably easy to think, no, she doesn't get it. I literally can't. But I promise you that if you've ever felt this, if you've ever felt this way, this is like the way that I go to prove that I'm right, is <laughs> if you've ever felt broke and then made more money and felt broke, it has nothing to do with the money. Like, yes, money is important and working on bringing in more income is awesome. It's an amazing goal, but it's not about the money. Like we're driven by these deep rooted beliefs. And so you have to, and the reason I'm already bringing beliefs into this is if you're listening to me talk about the logistics and you're like, she doesn't know where I'm at. I yeah. promise you where, whoever you are, wherever your bank account is at, it doesn't matter. I'm, I am talking to you. 
Like it doesn't matter where you're at. You can always get a little bit better. You can always put a little bit more cushion in there. You can always throw a little bit more on student loans and little by little is, is how things happen. Like I, you know, I'm no genie. I pay things off little by little. I save little by little. Like it, it's you believing that that's something that you can do that will make the logistics happen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I was that person like to a T when I was in college, I went to college for music business. And I remember hearing about the salary that someone else got paid, um, when they graduated. And I was like, at first I was like, that that's bullshit. That can't be right. That's ridiculous. And then once I started getting closer to the end of the year and I'm applying for jobs and I'm seeing what's out there, I was like, all right, well, I guess I have to settle for this crappy salary because I have no choice. This is what I get for working in the industry. This is just what I get. And I didn't even think about negotiating my starting salary. I didn't even think about, you know, doing my own thing right out of the gate in order to make more money. It took me going from just like accepting this shitty reality because it honestly was shitty, especially because I didn't know any of the principles that you've taught me that I know now about how I could have really optimized that money at the time, but it was terrible. And then finally, like I said earlier, I got to the point, a breaking point where I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm stuck in this cycle because I'm just allowing it to happen. And obviously we can't control the the salaries that each company says they're going to pay people, but you can do things like negotiate and like take more control of your money better or get a side gig or do something like that. So for people who are listening to you and are thinking, okay, fair enough, but I'm like super busy right now. I don't know how I would possibly actually make more money because I don't have the time to like do a side gig, especially because for a lot of people, music is their side gig to another job. What are some like easy ways they can get started in bringing in extra income or saving a little bit more? I love it. And you, you kind of foreshadowed it perfectly. One of my biggest things is optimizing over sacrificing. So this can show up in so many ways, but there's, you got to keep it simple. You can either increase income or decrease expenses. Like those are the two ways. However, decreasing expenses doesn't have to mean well, okay, I can never get my hair done. Well, okay, I can never do this. Like that's not what I mean when I say decreasing expenses. So one of the easiest things is what can you go out and negotiate? I love negotiating, love it so much. And I, that was a huge thing for me is when I was like, well, if I cut anything else out of my budget or out of my spending, it is going to literally be getting my hair done, going to the chiropractor, like the things that I love. And I was like, I don't want to give these things up. Yeah. So the other thing you can do is you can negotiate. So the first thing, like I have my clients too, and Katie knows this is come in and negotiate. And when people are like, what can I negotiate? Literally everything, get creative. You can go, if you have credit card debt, you can call right after this. You can pause this and go and call your credit card company and say, hi, I would like to speak with someone about seeing if I can get a lower interest rate on my credit card. Boom. Like pro tip, always ask to speak to somebody higher up than whoever answers the phone because a lot of times whoever answers the phone can't do that for you. Okay. But this goes with everything. This goes with your car insurance. This goes with your cell phone bill. Instead of calling and saying, I need to cancel my free 
or my unlimited data plan and go to one gig, say, I would, I'm considering, I'm looking at other phone companies. I would like to stay with yours. How can we lower my bill today? You, you do not have to change things, but negotiating is a huge way that you can keep what you want. And you, you can seriously, there, there's so many things that people don't know that they can negotiate starting salary. Um, even if you are an hourly job, if you, um, I just had a client who she's a waitress and she just picked up a new, um, like bartending waitressing. And she's like, well, I have an interview today, but I can't negotiate like that. I'm like, why not? And I'm like, you can ask. It's a question. People think it's like, I will not do this. Like, no, it's, it's asking a question. And so she went in for the interview and they said, here's your hourly rate plus tips. And she said, would you be like, I'm really interested in this position, but would you be willing to make my starting hourly X amount? And they were like, yeah. She's like, oh, uh, okay. She was yeah. like, she came back. She's like, I was so unprepared for them to just say yes. I was so thrown off guard. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be ready for the yes. Um, but yeah, go and negotiate everything. Go and negotiate your bills and um, also just be prepared for things that come up. So um, I negotiate literally everything. Like um, we need to get an oil change this week. And the place that I go to get an oil change, the first time I called them, this is the place I wanted to go to because it's really close to our, our apartment. And they, I said, how much is an oil change? And they said like 49 or something. I said, okay, cool. Um, I knew another place farther away was like 20, 26 or something. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Do you ever run specials? Um, we, I just got off the phone with this other place, told them what place they have it for 26. I'd, I'd really like to go to your place, but you know, that's, we're probably going to end up going there. And they were like, oh, we'll match that. Yeah. Just come here. So every single time I've ever gone to this place, they charge me $26, not 49, which is their actual place that they market. And it was just a simple question. I wasn't yelling at them. I wasn't an upset customer. I was just like, Hey, you know, we're considering going there, but if if you'd like to, for us to come there, would you be able to do that? And they're like, no problem. Not a problem at all. So it it really gets to be, um, when you're open to negotiating, being a really easy conversation, it gets to be that. So negotiating is big. Another thing is figuring out other ways you can optimize. Um, so what are things that you like doing, especially if you're a very busy person, let's say you have a dog, um, putting yourself on like a Rover or wag. I think wag is, it's called wag. Um, but it's a dog watching service. So let's say you have a weekend where you're home, you're already going to be watching your dog and you watch somebody else's dog and make an extra hundred bucks. Like things like that, where you're already doing the, you know, the quote work and doing that, making that extra money is easy. Like a lot of times people are like, you have to work harder and you have to work more and you have to do this. And it's like, no, how can I work smarter? How can I make money doing the things that I'm already doing? Um, and, and, and just do them and make more money. Like same thing about what are the things I already do? I go grocery shopping, getting a, a cash app or a cash back app. I use like Ibotta, like I B O T T A. And I probably make like, I don't know, 60 bucks a month back, um, or, or 60 bucks every two months back in groceries, literally from scanning my receipt, like find ways to make money smarter instead of working harder or longer hours. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think especially in the music industry for people who are playing gigs, obviously at a traditional music venue, when it's like 
you're, you're paid based on how many people come negotiating might not work in that sense, but you can still consider negotiating the percentage and the bar deal. And if it is a gig where you're like at a winery or, or at a wedding or something like that, do not hesitate to negotiate a higher salary. I see so many musicians taking way less than they could be paid, not only deserve to be paid, um, for gigs. And if you're going to be putting the time and effort into the gig, get paid what you want to get paid. Don't just take it out of scarcity or because it's like the only thing that's in front of you. Don't be afraid to negotiate that. So I think that's a really great tip. And own it. We, this is so funny that you said that because our, so the person that we wanted to hire as a wedding singer for our wedding, we're, I'm, I'm engaged, we're getting married this fall. And when we lived in Iowa, this guy that went to our church, he was like a worship leader at our church. And he would, I mean, he would like acapella sing and my, I would like tear up. I mean, it was so beautiful. And I reached (laughs) out to him and I'm like, Hey, we would like, do you ever do weddings? Like, I would love to hire you. And he's like, Oh yeah, sure. Like, yep. What is it? He's like, yep. Okay. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Like, do you need a deposit? And he's like, Oh no, like that's fine. Um, don't worry about it. We'll just figure it out the day of. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Like, you know, what, what, it, what do you charge? And he's like, oh, well, I don't, what do you want to pay me? I'm like, what? what no. Do you I'm like, own, like uh. clearly I'm reaching out to you. I want you. And it was just, it was such a weird moment where I'm like, I have no idea because I don't, I, yeah, like you don't know what the standards are for acapella wedding singers in your I area. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I was just like, what if, you know, here, my big thing, and this, uh, this is like, I stand by this so hard. I say this to Katie all the time. And I say this to all my clients all the time is when you are picking, when you're thinking about pricing yourself, it has to be what energetically aligns with you. Because here's the thing from a customer perspective of someone who just hired this guy at an unknown rate to come sing at my (laughs) wedding. who knows? Five dollars, five thousand. No yeah, you, you don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. Um, which is hilarious. He's just like, we'll talk about it closer to the day. I'm like, um, okay. Um, and so anyway, as a as a client, this is my wedding day. I am I want it to be perfect. It would be I want to make sure my vendors and my, the people coming are well paid to where they're thinking to themselves, this is so exciting for me. I want to make this the best ever. If they're underpaid, are they going to show up as powerful and show up as ready to make this the best day ever as if they're underpaid? Heck no. So it's important to me. So don't think so often. I think that people get in their own heads of like, they will only hire me if I don't charge very much or they want to pay me the least amount possible. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I've negotiated like our wedding tent and things like that. But the part of negotiation is as someone who is a business owner or as someone who, you know, is a, a, you know, you're the musician, you can't ever go below that energetic minimum because when you stand by that, people know and and you show up so much differently versus if you're paid underpaid. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a few clients too, who are, um, whether they have a job or not, aside from this, they teach music lessons either on the side or full time. And I've had a few of them say like, 
well, like these are my rates and they're already like on the higher side of my city. So I don't really think I can raise them much more. I don't think I have much wiggle room to do anything else because otherwise like there's so many other cheaper um, teachers out there or coaches out there. Nobody's going to hire me as their vocal coach or whatever. And I'm always like, it doesn't matter. Like those people either just simply don't know their worth and they're too afraid to charge it. They're going to have to work harder to make more money. And most likely they're not as skilled as you are, or they would be charging more. So exactly. And yeah. And get creative. Like, okay, I'm not a, a mom yet. I'm a dog mom. So basically I'm a mom. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but I want to, I will be a mom someday. And I can only imagine I like if someone, if I was hiring someone to teach my kid voice lessons, this literally just thought just came to me and I was driving 20 minutes, dropping my kid off for 30 minutes, waiting in the car. And then they were coming out driving home. What if that person instead said, Hey, I will drive to you. It's going to be double the price, but I'll drive to you. So you can be in your own home. I will come into your home, teach your kids. So you don't have to drive. You don't have to drop them off. You don't have to wait in the car. I'll do all the work for you. And it's double you like, hell yes. yeah. I am yeah. all about that. Like, so get creative. It's not just like, oh, well, my, my rates are too high. I can't charge more. First, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's up in your head. But also, if you truly believe that, what are other ways that you can get creative and provide a higher experience? Like you're in the music industry. Think about if I'm going to pay to see Beyonce, if I sit in the nosebleeds, I'm going to pay a couple hundred dollars. If I sit in the front row, I'm going to pay a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. So you can also think of ways where okay, I don't want to outcharge my current clients. However, I want to offer the VIP option. I want to offer the front row option yeah. where it makes it easier on the kid um, or the parents to where I give them the opportunity to pay more. Right. So get creative. Like it, it's not all or nothing ever. Yeah. Okay. So the last like logistical thing I want to ask you about is budgeting. I had a client recently, so I, I now do a lot of money work with my clients because I've noticed that it's such a huge stressor. And if we're trying to move their careers forward while reducing stress, we have, we just have to address money. Like we have to. And so I've been having all of my clients do their budgets and literally just start by writing out everything that they are spending on each month and how much. And one of my clients, I'm looking at her thing and I'm like, why are you paying for Spotify and Apple music each month? Why? (laughs) I literally, I'm like, what's going on? And she was like, well, I got the free trial for this one. And then I kept using it. And then I wanted to try the other. So I like got the free trial and then I kept using it. And I'm like, do you use both? Like, are you actively using both? She's like, no, I'm like, you need to get rid of one of those, at least one of them. If you're not using it all together, get rid of them both. But Finally, she, she boxered me like a week later and she's like, okay, so here's the updates. And I canceled Apple music, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, good, because it seems simple. And I think a lot of people, they they've listened to us so far and they might be thinking, okay, do I need to be budgeting? Would that help? It sounds scary. I don't want to be restricted, but Chloe's also saying like, I can still spend money and, and save money at the same time. So how do I do this? I think that just simply looking at what you're spending money on now can just um, raise some red flags as to very, very simple things you can change without restricting yourself at all. But tell us your thoughts on getting started with budgeting. 
Hell yeah. I mean, seriously, if you do not overcomplicate this either, like this is what Katie said, which also side note, the fact that you provide that level of experience for your clients is like unbelievable. If you're not working (laughs) with Katie, what are you doing? Seriously? I'm going to, you know, like people come on a podcast and pitch themselves. I'm going to pitch Katie right now because (laughs) It is the the things that she does for her clients are so much deeper than just like, oh, let me help you with your music career. Let me help you with your health and wellness. This is such a holistic experience. And if you are someone who is stuck in the a very fixed mindset of, I don't know how I'm going to get ahead. I'm, I'm really trying to do this and this and this, this. You need a coach. I am so such a believer that everyone needs a coach because it you will never be able to point out the things that you are struggling with um, and the things that you are are like in your blind spot of your car. Like you literally cannot see that stuff. It, it's a yeah. blind spot for a reason. And so that's why you need a coach. And if you're listening to this and you're like, this all sounds so good, but And if you're listening to Katie's other podcast and you're like, this sounds so amazing, but if you are someone who's a yeah, but person, you need a freaking coach to help you up level because so much of this, we can tell you all the tips, we can do all the stuff, but if you're not actively up leveling all the time, you freaking need a coach. So go DM Katie right now and beg to work (laughs) with her because- I don't know. You're crazy if you're not. So anyway, back to Katie's original question. So the easiest thing for you to do is to go into your bank account, log, um, you can do mint. It's a free app and, um, or whatever, any free app and go look at the last 30 days of, of transactions and go through and say, okay, what are the ones take a highlighter and highlight the ones that you're like, okay, cool. Rent. Yep. I, I feel good about that. I have to spend that or I get to spend that awesome check. That's, that's not a leak. That's not leaking out of my bank account. That's a good one. And then you get to Spotify and Apple music and you're like, huh? Okay. Um, this is a leak. This is a leak. When we are being good stewards of our money, we notice when money is leaking out because that is not a purchase that's in alignment. That's not a purchase that your client's using. That's not a purchase where she feels really good about and excited about. That's probably, if we're being real and we've all been there, I've been there so many times, that's probably a thing where the $7.99 hits for Spotify and you're like, Oh, well, already paid. Might as well use it this month. I'll cancel next month. And the next month you're like 7.99 hits and you're like, "Oh, like go and cancel that." I um I always give one of my clients a hard time because when she started, she's an entrepreneur, so she had business subscriptions and personal subscriptions and we canceled literally almost $3,000 a month. Oh my god. Subscriptions. Oh I was my like, god. This is absurd. I was like, this is absurd. But she just crazy. wasn't using it wasn't using it, like had an old website monthly payment, but had changed to a new one, but never canceled the old one, had used all these other, it absurd. I was like, this is great. I was like, okay, well, my work's here's done. (laughs) Um, But I'm serious. Subscriptions are an easy one. Or if you're not looking at your bank account fees, I can't tell you how many times I've been double charged and then called and they've been like, Oh my God, we're so sorry. Taking that off. Like Uber double or not Uber, um, Lyft double charges me 
all the time. Yeah. I'm like, yo, what's up with that? And, and you just reminded um, me while you're talking, I'm like, oh shoot, I have to call my bank because there was a bank fee that I saw on there that I have no idea what it's about exactly. and I forgot to call. And that's because now after working with you, I'm looking at my bank account like multiple times a week, even if I don't really have yeah. to, just to check in and see what's up. And I get notifications on my phone from Apple Pay. And I think you could just set it up in general. Mm -hmm. But now, like since my credit cards are with my phone, anytime I get charged on my credit card, it will show me. So if something's wrong, I immediately see it and take care of it instead of just being like, "Eh, it's probably right. Yeah. People, the, the phrase, these are the two phrases that are probably costing you thousands a year. Oh, it's only $5. And also, uh, that's probably right. Those are the two <laughs> phrases that are, yeah. if you stop saying them, we'll, we'll save you $1,000 a year. Because if you get hit by a bank fee, first of all, it is 2020. And there are so many banks that offer free checking and free savings. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to have this. No. What the heck's going on? Goodbye, bank fees. We're not, no, 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 We are not here for you. If you, And even if you're hit with an overdraft fee, call your bank and say, I apologize. I had something coming through that I wasn't expecting. Can you please reverse that? They will reverse it for you. Okay. Like call and ask about that stuff. Like don't let money disappear. And a lot of times that money leaves us. And then we let that tell us, well, I I knew it. I'm just a struggling musician. Like that, that's just what happens to me. But when we can change our identity into I'm not the struggling musician into I'm the, I am the musician that gets paid well, or I'm the, in the music field and I get paid well. And then a bank fee hits like Katie is in the music field and she has the belief that I get to be paid well. So when a bank fee hits, she's like, what? Yeah. It's not in alignment with who I am Yeah, and that she's unavailable for that. But if you claim and cling to this belief that I'm a struggling musician or I'm just struggling in the music industry, then when those things happen, you're like, well, that's just who I am. That's just what happens to me. So, so you have to distance yourself from that. And I don't know if this is, I I think I've always had this kind of really, it's been a blessing to me, but a little bit of naiveness of that I will succeed. Like I've never, I mean, of course I've had doubts and everything, but in the scheme of things, when I look back and sometimes tell my story, I will have people say to me like about quitting my corporate job or whatever. People be like, wow, you are a risk taker. And I'm like, what? I don't really think of myself as a risk taker. I've just always believed that I could do it. And so when things go wrong, I'm like, wait, that's, that's weird because that's not supposed to happen. Things are supposed to go right. And so then I fight against them. But if you're struggling and you're constantly believing things will not go right, I will not get ahead. I am going to be underpaid. Then your reality follows suit. But if you say I'm a, I'm, I'm paid so highly, my work is of high service. And then something happens. You're like, Oh no, 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 no. I got to change that because that's weird. That doesn't happen to me. Like I'm not the kind of girl who, who the, has the fees or has the late fees or, um, gets canceled on or whatever, like that becomes something that's unavailable to you. And so you have to make that shift. It's so important because that is what changes you looking at your bank account and saying, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I had those two charges. Let me take care of that. Versus saying like, Oh, well I'll take care of that next month. Yeah. Yeah. I think mindset is huge. And of course we've naturally gotten here because that's, that's what happens. Like 
you might be listening to this podcast now, or you might have like already, once you implement all of these things and still be at a point where you're like, okay, the money is in my account, but yet I still feel like I have to undervalue myself or I still feel like I'm walking on eggshells every month and I'm like really stressed about money, even though I'm seeing it there. I see a lot of clients where we're working very intently on getting to that abundant mindset because even as we were like doing the work, we're plugging the leaks, we're, we're, you know, adjusting things so that they can bring in more money or at least just like feel really confident about what they're spending their money on. Sometimes it's still just like, okay, I get it, but I don't understand how I can be abundant if I'm not bringing in like a hundred thousand dollars net per year. Like I just, that does not seem abundant to me where I'm at and where I'm like where I want to go. So how do we tap into a mindset that is abundant now and that is actually serving us now instead of one that's limiting and that's kind of tapping into scarcity? For sure. So the biggest thing is that you have to be very clear on what abundant is. So a lot of people will say, I want to make a hundred K or I want this, I want this, I want this, but money is just paper. Like we're the ones that hold value to money. And yes, it's, it's a, it's a tool to get us where we want to go, but you have to be clear on why do you want a hundred thousand dollars? Like, why is that abundant to you? Is it abundant because then you'll feel comfortable taking time off work? Is it abundant to you because then you'll be able to be decked out in Gucci bags? Like, why does that, what, what, what makes that abundant to you? Because so often there are things that we put, um, we, we say, okay, I want $100,000. That's abundant to me. I don't have that. So therefore I can't be abundant. And when in reality, if we make a list of these are the 30 things mm-hmm. I would want to do if I had a hundred thousand dollars, we can do half of them now. Yeah. So for me, I, I can vividly remember feeling this. I would like listen to podcasts and like eye roll. I'd be like, oh, we have to be so abundant. Like it must be easy for her. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Because I was like, no, that's not easy for people like me when I was holding on to the story that I was always going to be the broke girl. Yeah. And, but anyway, so I would, I started writing down the, things that I would do if I had a bajillion dollars and I was so abundant and all these things. And here's a perfect example. One of the things was I would wake up in the morning and I would work out. And I can remember going through this list and being like, wait, why do I have to make a hundred thousand dollars? Like work out in the morning. <laughs> Cause I, at this point I always worked out in the evening and I, yeah. I don't like it because my, I don't know why, but my, like, I just feel so much better in the morning working out. And then at night, like I always get like a side cramp and I just don't like it. My energy is not the same. And I was like, this is so weird. Why is my perfect day something that I'm waiting to create yeah. until I have all this money has things on the list that I can do now. So from that moment, I'm serious. This was a huge epiphany for me. From that moment, I started working out in the morning and still to this day, I work out every morning. Katie and I were just talking about that before the podcast started. And it it was such a cool thing because I started becoming the girl who makes $100,000 even when that wasn't in my bank account. And so if you're struggling with that, if you're like, how the heck am I supposed to be abundant right now when nothing in my life feels abundant? Cool. How can you make things in your life feel more abundant? Yeah. So um, maybe that is the fact that you – you don't love where you live and you're like, it's so cluttered and I just don't love it. Like 
cool, get rid of some stuff. Like go and make money doing it. Sell your stuff on Facebook marketplace. Like find ways. Yes. Like what would make me the most abundant person? And sometimes here's the thing. Sometimes that is, I would take one Sunday off a month instead of working over an overnight shift or, or a daytime shift or picking up another shift at the bar, whatever. That's okay. And that might seem counterintuitive because you're like, Oh, but then I'm losing money. Like, no, how can you make that a beautiful thing of self care and taking the day off and working on your finances and working on the next gig you're going to pitch or whatever it is. And that becomes such a money making experience in other ways. So really think about what abundance means to you and why you want that money. Because so often if you just chase that number of like six figures or whatever, when you get it, it still feels empty because you're not clear on what you actually want. Yeah. Um, and another thing that I would be very, um, concise about for business owners is that so often, oh my gosh. I, which, which by the way, if you are a musician, you are a business owner, your music. Yes. Is <laughs> I oh always, gosh. I need to say that always. Cause oh it's my so gosh. Important. I, I hate that that's even something you have to say. Of course they are. I think by now my listeners know that (laughs) because I just preach it like every episode. But for all the new people listening, remember that because if you are, even if you are like signed to a label or a publisher, your music career is a business and you have to treat it like one, not like a hobby. If you treat it like a hobby, then it's going to be a hobby and you're not going to make money from it. Yeah. It'll it'll be an expensive hobby too. make it a business. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, it's just, it's so important to have those conversations and and really define that for you. And okay, this is kind of a a little twist, but I I really want to say this because of what you just said, but so often like it was so weird when, when I first started working with you and we started talking about the pain points of your clients and things like that, because when I, as someone who's not in the music industry, when I think of the music industry, I think of like just absolute straight cash money. I think of like, you know, all the big names. And I think of this, like, I think of the music industry. Like if you were to like hold up flashcards of like cactus, what's the first word you think of? And like, you know, like (laughs) snow cone, if you held up music industry, one of my first words would be money. One of my first words, because I think of the music industry as being so like, you know, monetized and all of these things. And so a lot of times, and so this was like a whole new thing to me. Um, and so if it, you have to rewrite this story of not being a business owner, not being a successful musician, not doing this. Because again, like when you hold on to that label of starving musician or, you know, a long time ago, the starving entrepreneur mm-hmm. was one too. And, and I think a yeah, lot of starving people still, artists, yeah. starving artists. Yeah. Starving this. And it's like, I, absolutely not. Like entrepreneurs in my head, are the the most six I'm like, what? You just chose a career path with an uncapped income home dog. Like, let's go. Like, what do you mean? Starving entrepreneur. Like yeah. you're going to go to corporate and have a fixed income forever. Like that sounds way worse. And so you have to kind of have this like a little bit naivety to you to where when people make comments about like, oh, yep, you just, are you serving musician? He, he, hearty, har, or do you do this or whatever? You can't soak that in. You have to be like, what? No, me- oh no, no, no! I am Beyonce. I'm the next big dog. And if if you don't want to be the next big dog, like that's okay. But 
you cannot hold on to these titles so much. Like we have to be actively creating what we want. We have to be actively creating the career path we want, the the money that we want and all that stuff and, and focusing on the right things. And to loop back to what I was going to say is so many times in the business field, we're, we're going after numbers. We're like, I want to make a hundred K. I want to do this. I want to do this. And a lot of times with my clients are like, I want to hit six figures. I'm like, okay, why though? They're like, well, cause it's like, I don't know. seems like a good goal. And I'm like, well, why though? Like, why do you want to hit that? Because I know people who are making multiple six figures, but profiting, profiting nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And I know people who are bringing in 50 K and profiting 80% of it. Like it, it, it doesn't, income doesn't totally matter. Yeah. It, it matters why you want it what it's going to create for you, how you utilize it and what you can do now to start chasing that in a really good way. Like you have to enjoy the journey and enjoy the grind on yeah. the way there. Yeah. And I was totally in that boat. I ironically, even though I am an artist and songwriter and can be very creative in that way, I have like a pretty type A brain and like I have always loved numbers. And so, you know, budgeting and figuring things out and like, transferring this amount for taxes and this amount for savings and whatever, like that's actually quite fun to me, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. which is kind of weird. So it's easy for me as well to gravitate towards like, this is the monetary goal that I'm working towards because it's going to be so fun to reach that. And when I reach that, I can like pay off all my student debt. I can start saving towards this thing, yada, yada, yada. So at the beginning of the year, when I, when I kind of set that goal, I also made a list of the things that that goal would actually get me. And one big thing that I really and working towards, and I think I said this on my um, New Year's Day podcast, but there's this house down the street from me that's like abandoned or something. I don't know. It's probably in foreclosure. And I'm like, that's my house. Like, that is my house. So <laughs> I'm manifesting that house. And I have a list on my phone of all of the things that I want to be in that house. And it's like air purifiers and like really pretty diffusers and like just nonsense. Like I want my kitchen to be like stocked with all organic food, just like crazy shit that now I'm like, I look at the list and I say, what can I do now that would make my living situation now closer to that so that I don't have to restock this house with everything, but I can just feel that way now. And then when I get that house, everything will just fall into place. Even this month, I set my budget. I have X amount that I spend on random shopping purchases. And I was in e-money, which is what we use as mm -hmm. clients of Chloe's. And I'm like, oh my God, I have the exact amount left that this beautiful air purifier costs. Of course, this is me as a person who has allergies and like is a <laughs> health that I'm like, no, I feel that. Yay, I'm I like... can buy the air purifier. <laughs> but That sounds like a dream come true. I, yeah. I love it. But I got it twins. and I was so amped. I'm like, okay, this is one step closer. And then another thing too is I look at my closet and I'm just like, I don't want to wear any of these clothes anymore. So I just made a commitment. Like I'm not buying or keep it because I order stuff online and then I'll return it. So I'm not keeping anything unless I'm like obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And I have basically half of my closet listed on Poshmark right now. And so some of the stuff I might keep wearing, some of the stuff I put under my bed, cause it's like, that's hard to know. Some of it I still have in my closet and I might keep wearing it until I get rid of it, but it's still there because I'm in the process of cleaning out my closet while making money and then restocking it slowly with stuff that I'm only obsessed with. So again, it's like a hack. Honestly, on Poshmark, there's some stuff where I might wear this one time again before I sell it, but I'm just going to list it on there 
so that it's there. And if somebody buys it, I'm happy with it being gone. And exactly. And people just don't get that because so many people in your position would say, well, I don't have the new house right now. So like, what's the point? Yeah. Or I don't have the new, I don't have the, you know, the, the credit card or the, I didn't win the lottery to go throw out all my clothes and buy a new closet. And it's like, no girlfriend, like start working towards that now. Because if you, if Katie believes fullheartedly that she gets the closet and she gets the house, why would she not start working towards that now? Of yeah. course she is. Like, of course. But if you don't believe you can have that, you're not going to start working on that today. And so th those things, those small steps towards abundance are everything. They're everything. And it, it's a process. Like it's a process of getting there and, and changing things and doing that. But like that is leveling up. Yeah, That's leveling up in a way that feels so good and, and feels in such alignment. Yeah, totally. Okay. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Chloe, for coming on. I know that my listeners learned a ton from this episode. And even though I work with you, I still feel like I got a nice refresher on this episode. So thank you again for coming on. Where can we stay in touch with you, work with you, stalk you on Instagram, all the stuff? For sure. So my company is called Deeper Than Money and I am deeper than money on every social media, on literally Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, podcast, Pinterest, you name it, I'm on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been so fun coming on here. And if you're listening to this, I just have to say it one more time. If you're listening to this and this is triggering, this is frustrating, and you're thinking like, who is she? She to tell me this, like who is Katie to bring this girl on or who's Katie to talk about this stuff because she doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. If that is you, you literally, you are the person that needs to work with Katie. Like you are the person because you are going to stay there in that spot until you have someone to help you get from where you're at to fully believing you cannot have these things to accomplishing them. Absolutely. I have to throw that out there. Like this is it is so important for you to take that next step. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> you crazy I agree. If you're not working with Katie. I agree. And also, if you want to do a super deep dive on money work, Chloe has a lot of amazing programs, group programs, and self-paced courses that you can take on negotiating and overspending and things like that. So um, go check her out. I'll put links to all of her stuff in the show notes of this podcast. But Share what you, um, what you loved from this episode on Instagram. Be sure to screenshot it and tag us because we want to hear from you. Thank you again, Chloe, and thank you all for listening. <laughs> <laughs>